Hello and welcome to the mystery room. I'm Abby. I'm Shannon. And welcome to episode... 14. No, it's not. It's 13, isn't it? We are on 13. Oh, look at us go. Welcome to episode 13. Oh, what an unlucky number. I know, and I don't like odd numbers, but it's fine. Next week's 14, so we're all good. I feel like we've been doing this for ages. Yeah, I feel like we've been doing this for ages. Did you know they reckon it... So, like, you know the SAS... Special Forces. Yeah. So apparently, if you're like a psychopath and a sociopath, like you're more likely to be a better SAS person because they lack the empathy. That makes sense. Because like, there's some dark stuff you have to do when you're like in the SAS and stuff, yeah, which most imagine. people obviously can't ever get over. Whereas if you're like a serial killer and stuff, you don't have that empathy. So they're very easy to just go in there and do the job. Crazy, isn't it? Do you know what, though? After watching SES Who Dares Wins, and you know when they get, like, interrogated and interviewed... Oh, yeah, I'll be crying. Honestly, yeah. I'd be crying. Like, I'd be like, stories <laughs> that they tell. Like, I could not sit there and keep a straight face and be like, just keep your head up, yeah? No. I'm like, I'm so sorry. So I wouldn't even last. Oh, uh, no, I wouldn't last. That'd be I'd it. be in there for a day. I'd be like, no. I'm out. I'd be crying. I wouldn't be able to carry that bloody rucksack. I don't know how they do it at all. I really don't. I reckon they make it lighter on there as well. Because I was like, I just told like, I could do it. And he was like, you could carry 50 kilos on your back all day, all night, running. And he was like, um, you can't go to the toilet. You have to piss and shit in bags and carry it around with you because you can't leave any evidence that you were there. So that's disgusting. Is that real? Yeah. You can't leave any evidence, can they, that they're there. There has to be like no trace of you. They have oh to be God. in and out carry on today we are drinking blossom hill soft and fruity red wine really into the reds now aren't we <laughs> oh god i went down the wrong aisle oh, she says what do you think what's your verdict it's not that bad no i it's tried not, to pick something sweet it's not as strong mm. yeah that's what i kind of went went mm. for it's a wednesday night I want something sweet you know so yeah and it's probably cheaper than my whole holiday i went to dublin and oh my god what a ripoff for prices of alcohol went to temple bar two pints of moretti 19 euros 98 cents that's only 20 euros 10 euros a pint honestly in this cost of living crisis honestly there's not a lot to do there okay there isn't a lot to do it's all about drinking and okay. it breaks the bank you need to, you need to take a mortgage out to have some alcohol over there it's <laughs> fucking crazy it's like a beef there as well personally I don't see the appeal in going to Dublin because I think it's like you said, it's all about Guinness alcohol. Guinness isn't that bad over there. Like, I, know people I, say, I believe you. I'm not lying. Like I know everyone's saying, eh, it's not too bad. Guinness tastes better in Ireland. It actually doesn't taste that bad. It's a bit heavy on the stomach. Yeah, I can imagine. But I mean, I wouldn't sit there and go and get pissed on Guinness. I wouldn't no. go like, let's go on a Guinness sesh. Like you'd feel so bloated. You definitely have to be a psychopath to do that. But it's actually not that bad. So, th- so this is actually a comment on our giveaway because this will be released on Friday. We would have announced it yesterday. So congratulations to the winner. <laughs> £25 Amazon voucher. Spend it wisely. I'll send you my list of what I'd like. Yeah, we'll send you our wish lists. <laughs> so someone actually commented about this case. And we were intrigued. So we thought, yeah, we'll uh, cover that. So today we'll be talking about the disappearance of Maura Murray. After researching this a lot, I realised that not a lot of podcasts have covered this. When I looked into why, there is one podcast that solely focuses on this disappearance. 
and they've done so many episodes. That's what they talk about. Yeah, it's literally a podcast based on this disappearance. I know, because I think they're investigating it, like, themselves. Okay. But there's been a lot of backlash from different people giving their opinion on this case. I think a lot of people think they know what happened, or they're very opinionated about it, and they're sure that this happened, they're sure that that happened. So we're going to try and be careful about the words we use in here and the terms we use, because there are a lot of theories about this case. And... What people say online is their own conclusions, their own theories, their own speculations. And it's going to be the same here. Purely just what we think. It's nothing conclusive. So just want to put that out there. There are a lot of online forums about this as well. I had a look at that. And it was really interesting reading about different people's different theories about what they think happened. Can't wait for the backlash. All the hate. I know, please don't come for us, okay? There's literally purely what we think might have happened. We're not saying it definitely happened. We're not saying that anyone's in the wrong. We're not saying that. It's just everyone's allowed an opinion. Yes. So don't shoot us for having our own opinion. Yes. Let us know, though, what you think in the comments. (laughs) Comment on the post. You let us know. So this case is really big, actually, and surprised that we haven't heard of it, have you? I probably have. I don't know. Really? I, I hadn't heard of it at all. But... It is probably due to the fact that it happened around the time social media was becoming a big thing. So I think it was around, it was the year that Facebook came out, I want to say. And is still famous to this day. There is a big run-up to Maura's disappearance in which a lot of the events leading up to it may play a big part in what happened. However, because we don't know what actually happened to her, we can only speculate, like we said at the start, what we think may be related. So, who is Maura Murray? Maura Murray was born on the May the 4th, 1982, in Hanson, Massachusetts. May the 4th be with you. Sorry. That's good though, I like that. Yeah. yeah. May the 4th be with you. She was the fourth child to her parents, Fred and Laurie Murray. She had two brothers, Fred and Kurt, and two sisters, Kathleen and Julie. They were an Irish Catholic family, though we're not entirely sure how religious Maura was. When Maura was six, her parents divorced and she went to live mainly with her mother, Laurie. Maura attended Whitman Hanson Regional High School and was a strong student. She also was a star athlete on the school track team, setting school records. She was often described as an overachiever from a young age, so this would make sense as to why she goes on to study nursing at the University of Massachusetts. Before transferring to the University of Massachusetts, She was accepted into the United States Military Academy in West Point, New York. She studied chemical engineering for three semesters before deciding that wasn't for her. Whilst at the University of Massachusetts, there were a few problems. In November 2003, three months before Maura went missing, she admitted to using a stolen credit card to order food from several different restaurants. However, the charge was set to be dismissed as long as she maintained good behaviour. Then, on February 5th, 2004, four days before she disappeared, Maura was at work at her campus security job when she had an emotional phone call with her sister, Kathleen. Kathleen was a struggling alcoholic and was having issues with her fiancé at the time. At around 10.30pm that evening, Maura reportedly broke down and when her supervisor tried to find out what was wrong, all Maura could say was, quote, my sister. Maura was said to be completely zoned out and unresponsive, 
and it was because of this that her supervisor escorted her back to her dorm. The contents of this call remained completely unknown up until October 2017. This was when Kathleen publicly explained the conversation between the two. She said that at the time she was a recovering alcoholic and had just been discharged from a rehabilitation clinic that evening that they spoke. On the way home, apparently, her fiancé took her to a liquor store, which caused her to have an emotional breakdown. Why would your yeah. fiancé take yeah. you to a liquor store when you've just come out of rehab? Well, he's a prick, isn't he? No, no. <laughs> and I hope they're not married. Like, what a dickhead move. You're there to support them, not... not- Come on, darling, let's go and have some alcohol. What the hell? <laughs> you just got a rehab, let's go and have some alcohol yeah. to celebrate. Honestly, I know. And why did this call remain unknown up until 2017? 13 years after she disappeared. Why was it only then that her sister decided to come out and say, oh, this is what the conversation was actually about? Ugh. Why not say that in the first place? Like, you'd think... Especially, it's like, not no big... offence, but it's not a massive issue to keep secret for, for years. If that's actually what happened... No, but There's then... questions now for me, like, did is that actually happening in the phone call? Because that's not something you need to keep a secret from everyone. Yeah. Yeah, I get it, like, oh, yeah, because they took me to a liquor store, maybe I do need to keep it a secret, just in case they think I had a drink. For me, it's not a huge thing to keep a secret. No. Like... On Saturday, February the 7th, two days before her disappearance, Maura's father, Fred, arrived in Amherst. He said that he and Maura went car shopping that afternoon and then went for dinner along with Maura's friend. Maura then dropped Fred off at his motel. Fred lent Maura his car to attend a dorm party. Right, why would you lend your daughter a car to go out drinking? What a brave man, honestly. What what an idiot. My dad would be like, fuck off. Yeah, same. She arrived at the party at 10.30pm and left at 2.30am on Sunday. Whilst driving her father's car back to the motel at 3.30am, Maura crashed into a guardrail on Route 9 in Hadley. Though she was not harmed, the crash caused $10,000 worth of damage to the car. This amount would approximately be $15,500 now. Fred did later find out that the cost of damage would be covered by his insurance. The responding officer to this crash filed an accident report. There is no evidence of a sobriety test being conducted on Maura. She was driven back to the motel Fred was staying at and stayed there for the rest of the morning. However, at 4.49 that morning, there was a phone call placed to her boyfriend from Fred's phone. Fred's phone. (laughs) From Fred's phone. But the contents of this call are not known. Later Sunday morning... Fred dropped Maura off at the university and left to go back home. That evening, they both spoke on the phone when Fred reminded Maura to pick up the accident forms from the registry of motor vehicles. They made an agreement to speak again on the Monday night to fill out the insurance claims via the phone. This phone call would never happen. On February the 9th, 2004, everything would change. Just after midnight that day, Maura used her computer to search for directions to Berkshires and Burlington in Vermont. At the time, Maura had a boyfriend named Bill Roche. Not sure if I'm saying his last name right. Please don't shoot me. We love having complicated names. Should know this. There has to be one in there. Yes. (laughs) He was a US Army lieutenant in Oklahoma. At 1pm that afternoon, Maura would email her boyfriend saying, quote, 
I love you more, stud. I got your messages, but honestly, don't feel like talking too much to anyone. I promise to call you today, though. Love you, Maura. She also made a call inquiring about renting a condo at the St Bartlett Condo Association where her family had vacationed previously, though the owner did not rent a condo to her. At 1.13pm, she then called a fellow nursing student. The reason for this call is not known. Then, at 1.24pm, Maura emailed her professor to say that she would be taking a week off due to a death in the family and that she would contact them on her return. However, according to the family, there was no death. And 35 minutes later, Maura made a call to a number which provides information about booking hotels in Stowe in Vermont. However, she didn't book a room. This call lasted approximately five minutes. She then phoned her boyfriend, but he didn't answer. So she left a voicemail saying that they would talk later. Maura then drove off campus at 3.30pm in her car, a black 1996 Saturn sedan. Ten minutes later, footage from an ATM machine shows Maura alone withdrawing $280. She then went to a nearby liquor store and purchased around $40 worth of alcohol, including Baileys, a box of wine and eight vodka coolers. Again, she was alone. The time is not known, but she also picked up the accident report forms that she was meant to fill in over the phone with her father, Fred. She then left Amherst between 4 and 5 p.m. At 4.37 p.m., Maura used her phone one last time to check her voicemails. We should add some, like, uh, sound effects in here, you know? Mm. So now we get on to the devastating part of the case. At 7.27 p.m., a resident named Faith Westman calls the police to say she heard a loud thump outside her house. As she looked out the window, she saw a car up on a snowbank along Route 112 in New Hampshire. According to Faith, there was a man inside the car smoking a cigarette. However, she later stated that she had not seen this, but a red light glowing from inside the car. How the fuck do you mistake a man smoking a cigarette with a red light glowing in the car? But how do you get that mixed up with a light? I know. That's what I mean. I don't actually know. That just seems a bit weird in itself. I mean, she generally might have just mistaken it, but I personally don't see how you get... You can see a man smoking a cigarette and then suddenly go, oh, actually, there's a red light glowing. There's just so many weird things about this. It is weird. A school bus driver named Butch Atwood comes across Maura in her car with the lights off. He noticed that she was not visibly injured, but she was shivering. He offered to call the police, but according to him, Maura pleaded with him not to do that, informing him that she'd already called AAA. But they call it AAA in America, don't they? However, AAA has since said they have no record of her making this call. What's it mean? Double A? The AA? Yeah. Double A. Arlen, this taxi guy, was saying, um, in England you have, say like, Wallingford. He's like, but we'd call it Wallingford Road. He's like, so we'd separate the words. Like, there's so many things that it's like, basically our roads, but they've used it to name places in Dublin. It's really weird. So Hungerford would be Hungerford. That's so weird. Yeah, they have a Hollywood, but it's only got one house. So it's like Hollywood. Yeah, do they? Weird. It's like they're trying to be the same but different. Just stop, okay? And I didn't realise that they had their own language out there. Can you do an Irish accent? No, I can't. But I can say my name is Shannon. Go on then. So they go Shannon Amadol Amadon. 
but they still spelt my name wrong. My name's Irish, and they still can't spell my name. There's a giant river, Maybe that's the spell- longest yeah, but- river in Great Britain, and they can't spell my name. Okay. There's a whole place. There's an airport, Shannon Airport. You don't get it wrong. Oh yeah, but it's Starbucks, isn't it? They always they're always a bit funny with spelling names at Starbucks. I don't think I've ever gone in there and they spell Abby my way. A B I. Or, or it's A B B B Y. Yeah. It's never ever A B B I E. There's three ways to spell it, and 99 of the time. I think just A B I is easier though. Three letters. Yeah. But they spelled my name Shan Ann. I said Shannon. Shan Ann. Maybe to you. Maybe to them it sounded like a weird. <laughs> Butch made his way home, calling the police at 7.43pm. This was the last ever known sighting of Mora. There's something about that which I find weird, but I think we'll go and talk about it at the end when we go about our theories. What, Butch? Mm-hmm. At 7.46pm, the first officer arrives at the scene, just three minutes after the police were contacted. Eerily, Mora is not there and the car is locked. The driver's side of the vehicle had impacted a tree, damaging the headlight and rendering it undrivable. Both airbags had also been deployed. The car was searched and both on the inside and outside of the car, the officer discovered red stains that looked like red wine. Inside, a lot of alcohol was found, including a box of wine and an empty beer bottle. Quite a few random objects were also found, including gloves, makeup, jewellery and driving directions to Vermont. So this is kind of what makes me think that she was definitely going there to maybe meet someone. Because mm. why would you bring jewellery and driving directions to Vermont? She was going to Vermont for a reason, clearly. Yeah. There has to be something or someone in Vermont. Vermont. Yeah. However, Maura's credit cards, phone and some of the alcohol she purchased was missing. So let's talk a bit about the car. So what's odd is that a rag, which was believed to have been part of Maura's emergency roadside kit in her car was found stuffed into the car's muffler pipe. I didn't actually know. Now, this is going to sound really stupid. I didn't know what a muffler pipe Yeah, it's an exhaust pipe, but I didn't know. After researching that a bit more, we were curious as to how this could have got there. And a mechanic said that Maura could have put this there herself if smoke was coming out of it and she wanted to plug it up. It was an old car and the car was apparently already experiencing mechanical problems. Also, it was discovered that the car had a full tank of fuel, meaning Mora would have just filled it up, and it was then apparently that the rag was stuffed into her tailpipe. Not sure how they know that. Like, how did they know that when she stopped, that's when the rag was put into her, into the pipe? Obviously, a lot of CO2 comes out of cars, and surely that would change the colour of, colour the, of rag. the rag, depending yeah. on what the colour of the rag was. By saying it was white, surely the whole rag would be, like, grey and smoky then. yeah. You could be right, actually. And it would smell, I reckon, of fumes. Yeah. You're onto something. You are. I am. You should be investigating this. At 8.49pm, her car had been taken away to a local garage. And then at 9.30pm, the first responding officer left the scene. There was then an alleged sighting of Mora between 8pm and 9.30pm. A contractor making his way home noticed a young person on foot on Route 112 heading eastbound around four to five miles away from where Mora's car was found. He noted that the person was wearing jeans, a dark coat and a light-coloured jumper, which was actually what Mora was wearing that day. This was not reported for a further three months after the disappearance, due to the fact they had only realised he spotted them on the same night Murray disappeared. 
he didn't realise that she could have been the missing girl. Yeah, because he probably just assumed it was some random. Yeah. And then when obviously all the reports come out, he probably thought, oh, woman, I actually saw her. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I see some people walk home late at night. I don't think anything of it. So It's quite good to, like, remember what they're wearing because I'm just so oblivious, which sounds really bad. Yeah, I am. But I probably wouldn't remember what people were wearing. No, I wouldn't. Like, I don't really take that much notice of... Of a beep, no offence. Yeah, no. No, I know what you mean. But, like... So, on February the 10th, over 24 hours after the last confirmed sighting of Maura, she was officially referred to as missing at 5.17pm. Maura's father, Fred, had been notified by voicemail that her car had been found abandoned. He called the police after speaking to Maura's sister and was told that if she was not found by the following morning, the police department would start a search. His initial call with the police led Fred to believe that Maura went to this area to hurt herself and that she may be depressed, but he thought this would be unlikely. On February the 11th, the Murray family started the search. They began at the site of the crash and worked outwards. A police dog tracked the scent of one of Maura's gloves a hundred yards from where the car was found, but sadly lost the scent. This made the police think that she may have left the area in another vehicle. Sadly, nothing would come of these searches. Maura's boyfriend, Bill, had only just arrived in Haver Hill the afternoon of the 11th of February. While travelling from Oklahoma... Oklahoma? <laughs> Oklahoma? O- o- Oklahoma? Say, for God's sake. Oklahoma to New Hampshire <laughs> to help with the search. Billy had turned his phone off while going through airport security. When he had turned his phone back on, he had a new voice message. The voice message was a woman sniffling. Apparently, many, including Billy, believe it was Maura. Billy called the number back but couldn't reach a person. Whoever it was had used a prepaid calling card issued to the American Red Cross. This was coincidental as before Maura got her phone, she used prepaid phone cards to call Billy in Oklahoma. And Billy's mum gave Maura two prepaid cards as a previous Thanksgiving dinner. On February the 12th, Fred and Billy held a press conference. The police had said that Maura might be headed to Kemkangas Highway area. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds funny, doesn't it? Kemkangas. And she was listed as possibly suicidal. I mean, someone with that much alcohol has something dark going on. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I wouldn't even buy that much alcohol for me and you to have on a Saturday night. I don't even think I could drink that much alcohol. Honestly, like the, the bottle of Baileys, I'm about a quarter of the way through and I'm done. I don't like Baileys. I don't mind it, actually. Mm, nasty. Ba- baby Guinness. That was uh, Baileys is a Irish drink as well. I know that, yeah. Did you have any while you were there? No. Shocking. So they also said that she was intoxicated, but the bus driver disagreed. The FBI then joined the investigation 10 days after she disappeared, and the search was now nationwide. See, that's another thing, right? So obviously, I know she's gone missing. It should be very... It should be big news anyway, but for the FBI to get involved 10 days later and for it now to be nationwide that soon, surely they must know, the police must know something that makes it a bit more yeah like concerning yeah maybe they reckon she's alive a second ground an air search was done 
Amora's older sister found a pair of white ripped women's underwear in the snow on a secluded trail on February the 26th. But DNA tests proved that this didn't belong to Maura. By the end of February, the whole family was exhausted, but this didn't stop Fred returning every weekend to continue searching. Then in March 2004, a woman named Brianna Maitland went missing in Vermont, 66 miles away from the last site in Amora. However, the police have stated that there are no links between the two cases. How, like, how do they know that, though? They don't know that. Exactly. 66 miles here is a lot, but in America, that's probably quite close. And it's in Vermont as well. Yeah. How can they not tie that together? That's literally a month after she disappeared. So police said that they believe, quote, Maura was headed for an unknown destination and may have accepted a ride in order to continue to the location. They dismissed the possibility that a serial killer was involved, but in interviews, Fred has said that he believes a guy grabbed her on the side of the road and killed her probably that night. On July the 1st, 2004, nearly five months after Maura went missing, the police did a forensic analysis of an item found in Maura's car. And then on the 13th of July, performed a one-mile radius search, but nothing came of this again. In late 2004, a man allegedly gave Fred a rusty, stained knife that belonged to his brother. According to this man, his brother and his brother's girlfriend were acting strange after the disappearance and that he believed this was a knife that had been used to kill Maura. However, family members of this man claimed he made the story up to claim the reward money and that he had a history of drug use. Why didn't they test the knife? Anyway. Yeah, I don't think they did. Yeah, why didn't they test the knife? I would test the knife. Yeah. I mean, everyone's involved now. You may as well use it. Exactly. They really haven't got anything to lose here. Like, I would just take every lead you can get. No one disappears off the face of the earth. Exactly. With zero evidence. Exactly. And people can like, man, let me hand it. No, no, no. Because there was so much evidence pointing to the family, but it was just dismissed. Anyway. But, so there's always evidence. Yeah. It's so weird to think that someone somewhere knows, well, hopefully, knows what happened to her. We'll go on to it a bit at the end about our theories, but obviously it was very, very cold. It was February. Some people say she could have died of hypothermia, like she could have started walking and died of hypothermia, but... She could have been drunk, falling over her head. Yeah, exactly. Got eaten by animals. Oh, yeah. The, the, like, the theories are just endless, I think, with this case. And that's why I think it's so... She could so... still be out there. She could have faked her death. Been hiding up somewhere. Yeah, and again, we'll go on to that at the end. Okay. Because there's reasons why her sister doesn't think she has. So there have been many searches over the years, with even retired police officers and detectives working on the case. One even saying, quote, It appears that this is something beyond a mere missing persons case. Something ominous could have happened here. In October 2006, another search was conducted. Cadaver dogs were brought in and apparently went bonkers in the closet of an A-frame house around one mile from the crash site. So this house was actually resided in by the brother of the man who gave Fred the rusty knife two years prior. A sample of carpet from this house was sent to be tested. However, the results were never released to the public. Another thing that's very weird... I don't 100% trust cadaver dogs. Firstly, it's not linked to that person. So there could have been a dead body there, but it might not have been her dead body. 
also is that why they never released it to the public because it, it's not, not they also don't really stand in court i don't think because i can remember a dateline sort of documentary on telly where this man woman was arrested because a, a cadaver dog gave her sense saying that basically there's a dead body in her boot and she got arrested for killing her child but she never did the evidence got overturned you can't i get it like i'd say if you could 100 percent trust cadaver dogs they also also if you're gonna hold this up in court when madeline mccann went missing they got a cadaver dog in and the cadaver dog scented in the apartment and in their car yeah i remember that and happening. again nothing happened there so it's like there's Good just point. a question mark when it comes to this sort of stuff yeah i didn't think about that so with more searches being conducted over the years and nothing more coming from them the case was added to the cold case unit in 2009 in 2010 Fred criticised the investigation for not even considering to treat it as a criminal matter. So there have been many alleged sightings of Mora, but again, nothing confirmed. Over the years, the police have written emails and made statements informing the public that the case is open. In September 2021, Hampshire State Police announced that bone fragments were found in Loon Mountain in Lincoln, New Hampshire, around 25 miles from the crash site. However, in November that year, it was announced that they were not the remains of Mora. In January 2022, the FBI issued a national alert in Mora's case and allowed multiple law enforcement agencies to share information regarding her case. They then conducted another search in July 2022 in the towns of Landeth and Easton in New Hampshire. So onto the family. Mora's sister, Julie, was very close to Mora she said in her last conversation with Maura, she said she appeared normal and was even excited about a spring break trip they had planned together. I'm very sorry as well if you can hear cars racing around our house outside. Because we live around with loads of dickheads who think they're boy racers and they rag it down the road, which is really inconsiderate to people that live here, but we can complain about it all day because it happens literally all fucking day. This conversation was two days before her disappearance. She said, quote, something bad happened, something went wrong. Her initial plan was maybe to go up there for whatever reason, no one knows, but then something happened and derailed that plan. If she was able to reach out and contact us and say, hey guys, stop worrying, I'm here, I'm fine, she definitely would have, but that didn't happen. She also said in an interview that Billy was potentially cheating on Maura and it could explain why Maura was so secretive about her trip. Also, I find this really shocking. The police never contacted Maura's sister to speak to her, which made things very suspicious. Julie said that if they had interviewed her closer to the time, she might have actually remembered something. Why would you not speak to her sister? Yeah, to the family. Yeah. That would you be would, the first you? You'd thing. be like, okay, I need to speak to you. When's your last conversation with Maura? What happened? Is that the other? Like, you'd investigate. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's just so nothing really well a lot of things don't add up here so maura's father also thinks something bad has happened to her as we said earlier on he said he wishes he could see her just one more time fred hasn't spoken many times about maura publicly and has only done a couple of press conferences and interviews annoyingly we can't really find much about what fred has to say about it but from the program you can see he was very emotional talking about this sorry i've got to say a lot of this information has come from the programme, uh, The Disappearance of Maura Murray. 
would recommend. Love a good dark. I do. I do as well. Also, shockingly, many have implied Fred was abusive towards Maura, making her want to run away. However, family members have denied this. Now, Billy, could he have been involved? So, Billy had been accused of sexual misconduct against other women, leading many to believe that he potentially played a role in what happened to Maura. However, Billy was completely ruled out early on due to him being in Oklahoma at the time she vanished. Someone Fred also refused to speak to was a man named James Renner. James Renner is the author of a book called True Crime Addict, How I Lost Myself in the Disappearance of Maura Murray. In this book, he talks about how he uncovers shocking new clues about Maura's disappearance and how he even puts himself in dangerous situations to solve it. The book really opened up the case to a lot of people and have shed new light on the case. Fred Murray was very annoyed with this due to it not painting a very good picture of the Murray family. Because of this, Fred refused to speak to two podcasters who worked with James, whose podcast solely focuses on Maura's disappearance. Which is what I was talking about at the beginning. Okay. Kurt, Maura's brother, has a negative opinion also, saying that James is falsely leading people to believe Fred was involved in her disappearance. James said that at the time, Maura's life was falling apart, and he uncovered information that the family has supposedly kept hidden. I mean, I get it, that's their sister, that's his daughter. He doesn't want people to know all about her life to then paint a picture of her in this way, like in a negative light. Yeah, exactly. And, and the family. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like every family has problems. Every family has dark parts. Yeah, ex- and yeah, it's like exactly. if, if they get out, people are like, "Oh, it's fine. She did this. She did that." Like it would taint the investigation, and it wouldn't be thoroughly investigated like it should be. Yeah. So I do get it. Yeah, I co- I completely I completely agree with that because why would you want someone to sit there and write a book about you and your fat like your family and your daughter, and then make you out to be like you've done something wrong like if someone did that to me if i wouldn't yeah i would be fuming yeah i would be so i completely i I completely can justify why he doesn't want to even be involved with and i think this is why podcasts get a lot of backlash because it's like they make their own narrative to the point where it's like it's really far-fetched and yes it's easy to blame the family but not all cases are to do with family exactly i know yeah so, lastly, an update on the family. Sadly, Maura's sister, Kathleen, and mother, Laurie, both died of cancer, with Kathleen passing on Thanksgiving and Laurie on Maura's birthday. Oh, that's sad. Isn't it? Oh, that's horrible. But isn't that really weird as well? Yeah, that is. That is really, like, The dates bizarre. are just weird. Julie and Kurt have done a couple of interviews since, with Julie believing the case is solvable. And that all they need are a few extra pieces of the puzzle. In interviews, Kurt has said Maura used to babysit him all the time. She was very driven and she was his role model. He said that her disappearance crushed Laurie and she got increasingly sick. Fred as well said Maura and Julie spent a lot of time with him, hiking and camping. He would never have enough money to give them a lot, but they were happy to camp and swim in the rivers. 
Oh, that's so sad. And also, when I watched the doc and you were just saying that, it did make my heart like break a little bit. They seem bit. like a loving family. They do. And that's why... I don't think the family's involved yeah. in any way. I really don't. No family's perfect and no. every family has its problems. Yeah. Yes, they probably did argue. Yes, they probably did fall out. I'm not be funny. I'd probably fall out of my dad probably once a month. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't mean that I don't love him. He doesn't love me. It's just... It doesn't mean you're going to go murder. Yeah. Are you? That's what... So it's ridiculous. Yeah. I do question the boyfriend. Yeah, let's see. We're moving on to our theories well, now. I want to know why she was driving to Vermont. We all want to know that, but I don't think... We're never, ever going to know that. Because if she's dead, it went to the grave with her. I like to think she's not. I like to think she's not. I like to think this is one that, like, they find her in someone's basement, frail, like, really ill, frail. And then mm. I reckon it'll all come out. Do you know what? I have this gut feeling that she's not alive anymore oh see my gut feeling is different my gut feeling is telling me she's alive oh well you never know mm. you never know i like to hold hope yeah exactly it's good to have hope unless it's like full evidence that yes just, like i get it i kind of do think maybe she did start walking off because she took her phone her wallet and she left everything else and maybe she walked off to get help to then come back to get the rest of her stuff yeah so and maybe in that the thing is why didn't she want the bus driver to call the police? Like, not in a horrible way. Because people have their past, people have their demons, and I'm not judging at all. But I do think maybe there was so much stuff going on in her life. Maybe she did turn to substance abuse, like alcohol abuse. And mm. maybe she was drinking, and maybe that's why she did crash. And maybe that's why she didn't want the police to know. Because she had already had a crash previously, not that far, yeah. not long ago. And she was already Which arrested. they didn't take her, they didn't breathalyze her. And now she's on another crash. And if she's caught drink driving, obviously she'd be in a lot more trouble. So maybe she didn't want them to call the police because she didn't want... To be arrested again. Yeah, she didn't want to be in more trouble than she already was, basically. Yeah, no, okay, that that bit I understand. And obviously with alcoholics... I'm not saying she's an alcoholic, because I don't know, and I don't know her, but they do tend to lie a lot, and they do tend to hide things and unless you're there all the time you wouldn't know somebody was an alcoholic yeah and it's like maybe she's like hiding the fact like she's not even open to the fact that yes she has a drinking problem so she's like no don't call the police don't call the police yeah because she's embarrassed yeah Yeah, she doesn't want to worry her dad probably Mm. so seven minutes after the bus driver left she vanished so could he be involved it seemed suspicious that he didn't stay with her until help arrived. Or even offer to take her somewhere. Yeah. A lot of people, if you see a gro- if you see a young woman, sorry, in the middle of nowhere, in the dark, in the cold. And I do think, like, if it was on the side of the road, she wouldn't have got far in seven minutes. And somebody would have seen something. Yeah, well, someone did see something, didn't they? They saw a young woman yeah. walking towards... Maybe it was her, maybe it wasn't her. Maybe, like, I don't know. But I'm going to say my personal theory i think she was heading to vermont for some secretive reason whether it was to meet someone i'm not sure but and we'll never know but she crashed her car and personally i think she started trying to make her way somewhere to contact someone or just find herself some like find her own help and someone basically kidnapped her or murdered her there and then. I don't mm. think she's personally 
happen out there personally. I don't think she's gone and started a new life for herself anywhere because it's like what her sister said. Her mum and her sister died of cancer and they were a very close-knit family from the sounds of it. Why would you not reach out to your family if they were that much of a close-knit family? You would have contacted at least one of them by now to say, look, this is what I'm doing, this is where I am, blah, blah. And she was that worried about her sister as well. I don't know, do you know what? There's some part of me that believes that she was driving off to start her new life and she was calling all these people to throw them off the scent of like where she was actually going and where she, you know what she was actually doing like i said people don't know what goes on in people's families and people can judge we don't know her family dynamics we can only go off what they say maybe she wasn't happy maybe she was depressed and it's like people get that low so maybe they do just want to run away start a new life this is my opinion and i'm not saying anything negative about anybody but I'm saying no one can sit there and say they're the best family in the world, they're the closest family in the world. Because, yes, in their opinion, they might be, but in her opinion, mm. she might have just needed to get away. Or maybe she needs to get away from her boyfriend. Maybe she needed, I don't know, maybe she did. Maybe she did just run off. Maybe she's living, a, I don't know, maybe she's living in like a little cottage somewhere with her children under a new name. That's what I like to think that happened. Is that she's just hiding. One thing I did find weird though is she took all this alcohol with her, but she left her most of it in the car. She drank most of it by the sounds of it on the way there. Yeah, good point, good point. I, I just think there are so many theories to this. There's so many... Because no one turns to alcohol for no reason. Oh no, she was there's, definitely depressed. There's always, there's something underlying. There's something that she was hiding from. There's something she was scared of. Yeah, I, I definitely think that. There will always be that one thing that she probably never told them. Yeah. That they don't know about. Yeah, And definitely. that's the thing that led her to drinking. Everyone has their secrets yeah. that no one knows about. Yeah. I don't know. It's just my personal opinion that I just think that, sadly, someone got her on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere and they've managed to hide it very well. But something's happened to her. And yeah, she obviously has her secrets and she didn't want anyone to know about, but I think, yeah, she was heading to Vermont to meet someone because she shipped jewellery. She was obviously planning to go somewhere. But again, personal opinion. My opinion is that she's alive somewhere, living at large. Well, I hope that's the case. That's the best case scenario, I'm not going to lie, that she is somewhere alive, living her best life. But it's been nearly 20 years. She would be, I think she'd be 40 odd now. Yeah. I don't know how likely it is. If you have any information concerning the whereabouts of Maura Murray, then you can contact your local FBI office if you're in America. Get Shannon on the case. Or you can do it online. You can, we should, you can we should go online. over there and retrace her steps. If you want to go to America, I'm down. I would I would love to investigate this. Oh my god, if we ever, ever make it like famous, famous, and we do like a tour around America of our podcast... We'll go here and we'll retrace the steps. We'll definitely do that. So help us get famous, guys. So go online. You can, I think you can send a tip to the FBI. You can call them. It depend. It depends whereabouts you are because there's so many different FBI offices. But yeah, you can... investigation. How may we help? That's my American accent. It was shocking. I think you could have done Irish bar. This girl get the puddle of gold across the rainbow. You sound like a leprechaun. <laughs> oh my god! You know they have Where's Wally? Yeah. 
And then in America, it's Where's Waldo. Yeah. In Ireland, they have Where's Larry. Is it a little leprechaun? I think so. Oh my God, stop. That's brilliant. That is brilliant. But why Larry? Yeah, why Larry? Is that an Irish name? Larry? Is that Irish accent? I I don't know. I just said that with an exaggerated R. So that was it for today's case. There is a lot on this case, like a lot. You can watch the documentary, you can listen to, you can listen to the podcast on it, which again is just solely about her disappearance. I didn't really listen to too much of it because I was more more into the documentary. I've had one glass of wine, I feel absolutely smashed. I don't know if it's because I'm just really tired. Probably, it's probably a mix of tiredness and red wine. That's not a good combo. Let us know what you think. Oh, yeah. Sorry. And obviously... Yes, let us know your theories. Like, review, share... Comment. Comment. And once we get to 100 five-star reviews on Spotify, we will do another giveaway. And it'll be a bigger one. It'll be a bigger giveaway. Yeah. So go and review. Obviously, give us like don't just give us five stars because you want us to do a giveaway. Yeah, please. Give, give us like an honest review. Yeah. And obviously, you can always drop us a message on anything you think we can improve on because again, we do just want to know. Yeah, we we can we can take criticism. But you can find us on Facebook at the Mystery Room Podcast. You can also find us on Instagram at the Mystery Room Pod. And let us know, because we're debating whether to start a TikTok. Yeah. So let us know if you would like us to start doing a TikTok. But I do think if we start doing that, we're going to start record, like filming. Yeah, and we don't look very decent half the time. I mean, we're sat here right now in a... Trackies, t-shirt, no makeup, hair in a bun. Yeah, I don't like... think I can put myself together that well to film. Like, that just requires a lot of effort. Like, but I would do it for the people. I would do it for the people, but I don't have enough time to do it like that well. Like, we have full-time jobs. And as much as I love it, it's so hard making myself look good for work and then come home and make myself look good and for... And I'm not allowed to wear makeup to work because of the job I do, so... Yeah, see? That means I'd have to come home, like, I don't mind doing it makeup list because, you know, we're all real people yeah. and everyone's beautiful in their own skin. Natural beauty. Yeah. Exactly. So if you don't mind a bit natural beauty over here, then we would happily film TikToks. I'm not going to lie. I love TikTok. Same, TikTok I love TikTok. is fucking brilliant. It has taught me so much, as well as some terrible dance. Anyway, we'll end it there. We'll end it on a, on a funny note. Enjoy your weekend. Yes. We will speak to you next week. Bye. Bye.